0: Triple H FM sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on
1: Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. HFM.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony LeBulcaruso for part three. Yes, part three of our preview for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. And what better way to do it than to have two Italian Australians who are currently trying to live the fact that our number two team failed to qualify yet again. Yes, I know. More jokes about the Italians not making the World Cup. We thoroughly deserve it, but, you know, we have to move on from there. Joining us here tonight, Luke Scarley, and i can tell you what, Luke, we've gone through a lot of football, but as we said at the end of the last episode, too much football is never enough. Oh, absolutely spot on. Uh,
2: some long nights previewing, long nights reading magazines, even though the print industry is dead. I found somewhere on the internet to get as many magazines and spreadsheets as I can. I've scoured the internet. I've spent days and nights on end looking at stats, wondering who is going to be the best player, who's going to win an award, who's going to win this World Cup. And I just can't
1: wait for the games to start very, very soon. Joining us once again tonight here to take us through part three here the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. And, Dom, you know, this is the only way we can get ourselves through a World Cup the fact that our number two nation has not made it.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, we've obviously spoken about it in
3: great depth. Uh, the Italians' misery um, in qualifying for the World Cup. It won't be the same without them for a second World Cup in a row, unfortunately, which is crazy to say. But uh, we have to move on and uh, support our uh, second and third tiered nations <laughs> at the, well, to the best of our abilities well, and not be taking, salty about it.
1: Who we're taking? Because one of the team, the, my number, my new number two for this is actually going to be coming up in our in our next group. That is true. That is very true. I'll, I'll let everyone guess before we get to that. Dom, you have obviously got uh, England that you're going to be supporting as your number. Your number two now. That is correct. Um, Luke, you've got a bit of a surprise for your number two now.
2: Yeah, practically number three. When you think about soccer, is obviously number one. Uh, Italy, the ever disappointing number two, um, and Spain. I'm going as my third. Close proximity. I have a Spain jersey.
1: Uh, just put two and two together, and that's just where I've got to go with. Well, with that, ladies, let's make it happen, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to gonna go for it here. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got three more groups to get to. Um, Pier Luigi Colina is out of the middle now. We are all set for a start. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. We're going to kick things off here you tonight with our first team in Group F. It is Belgium who qualified from UEFA as Group E winners, coached by Roberto Martinez, captain by Eden Hazard. It's their 14th finals appearance, their fourth in a row. They managed to break their best performance to third place at Russia 2018. They're ranked second in the world. And Dom, is this the last chance that this golden generation from Belgium have to win an international trophy?
3: Yes, most definitely. There's not much left to- in terms of the quality that they had a few years ago, uh, and to think as well, the likes of Eden Hazard has not really played football at a, at a top level for uh, a couple of seasons now. He won't be the man leading them forward. They've obviously got class, you know, across the park, you know, especially in the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Yuri Tielemans, who are going to be obviously there. Obviously, they're, they're star players, but they're not nearly as still as classy as they used to be. Obviously, Thibaut Courtois, who's arguably the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment, um, who will be right up there in, you know, helping them seal uh, a World Cup victory. But, I mean, it, it's going to be harder this year. Like, they don't have the cattle, especially at the back. Now, you know, Jan Vertong and Toby Alderweireld, and there's no Vincent, Co- who are older, and there's no Vincent company there anymore. They're going to struggle defensively. We saw that in the Euros. And then even up top, like if the the Romelu Lukaku, can he get fit in time? He hasn't really played for Inter Milan this season. He has he was he did play his first game last week or the week before and did score, which is great to see for him. Can he get back to to goal scoring form? The emergence of Leandro, Trossard at Brighton has obviously provided them a different outlet uh, to Eden Hazard, who obviously hasn't played for Real Madrid since his move to the. Uh, the Spanish capital. But outside of that, you know, your Axel Witzels and your Yannick Carrasco's who have been around for a long time are there, but I'm not too sure if this is a, I mean, it's the last chance to win it. That's absolutely sure. But I don't even know if they're going to get close enough.
1: Look, the biggest question that has come to mind in terms of this, in terms of this Belgian lineup, and some of the questions really been brought about has been the quality of the, the coaching itself headed up by Roberto Martinez. Um, did some good things over in England, but really it could be said that part of the issue that Belgium had with the underperformance could be laid squarely at the feet of Martinez himself.
2: I, I reckon almost all of it could be put at his feet because you got the players there uh, that have been very, very good for a very long time. And if the players are good enough and they've played together for a long period of time and built chemistry – You have to ask, why aren't they winning? And that generally would come down to the very, very fine tight knit of it. And it's generally the manager's not getting the tactics right or the game plan isn't correct or just the adjustments they're making game to game against the teams that they're going to be directly competing against in terms of winning, uh, like your Spain's, like your Germanys, like your French teams. Uh, And just those tiny little minor differences make a big difference overall. Uh, and that comes directly from the coach himself or the manager, whatever you like to call him. Uh, he has blooded a few younger players into the squad, which was a good option. So there is a little bit of backup for this golden generation. Uh, if they weren't to play because of injury or he just couldn't play them because they, they're just no longer going to be in that in that fold of international caps. Uh, Charles de Ketelaere, Trossard, as Dom mentioned, have, have come out of nowhere in terms of, being good young players to being superstar young players, um, but it's going to rest. It's going to rest on those big players that have been there for a long time. Definitely, as we've all all going to agree on, it is their last chance. Um, but I don't see how they're going to win it. I can see them maybe making the third fourth place playoff. Um, but if they get a bad draw coming out of the group, they might they might get a get ejected in that quarterfinals phase.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here about Belgium. It's the absolute ringer taken through them like you wouldn't believe. Let's move on to our next team, and it is Canada qualifying from CONCACAF, winning the the six-team playoff round, coached by John Herdman, captained by Atiba Hutchinson. And, Luke, it's their second-ever finals appearance. The only other time they made it to Argentina in 1986 where they failed to get out of the group stages. Currently ranked forty first in the world, uh, and this it was a stunning achievement to win that third round Concacaf qualification in its own right. Ah, uh, very much so. I'm very high on this team, Canada, uh, for two reasons.
2: One, Alfonso Davies he is generally unplayable at times out of a defensive position, which is a. Uh, a trait that most nations don't have. They don't have that quality coming out of the back. You could toss him up front. He could do a job for you there. You can put him on the other wing. You could probably play him in the midfield. He's got so much skill on the ball and so much pace that he's going to probably outdo most of the people he's matched up against in 1v1s. Um, and maybe this is just my FIFA brain speaking, but Jonathan David, that guy is the reincarnation of R9 Ronaldo in the FIFA world. Um, and that's pretty much all I've got for in terms of Canada being good. Uh, and me trying to hype them up here and I'm still going to have them missing out on
1: getting out of the group. Dom, this is my second favourite team. I have to pay respect to them. A lot of cousins in Canada and I do love the country. We all love the Canadians. Um, as much as we want to see them do well, I just don't see it happening.
3: Yeah, look, it'll be tough for them. I think the most hilarious part about this team is that Junior Hoylett isn't amongst the uh, <laughs> um, the. <laughs> The squad, which is quite funny considering the once, uh, let's say, highly touted English uh, winger uh, is now potentially donning a, a a red maple jersey. But, yeah, as Luke alluded to, they've got two quality players in alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, um, who will provide uh, the entertainment factor uh, for the Canadians. But... I don't see uh, them getting out of the group. They'll be fun to watch. They'll be kind of a favourite team. Maybe they'll be the one to surprise a few, but I'd rather back them to potentially fall short than throw my house at them getting out of this group.
1: We move on to Morocco, who qualified as third-round winners from CAF, coached by Walid uh, Regagui and captain by Roman Saïs. It's their sixth finals appearance, their second in a row. Best performance around round of sixteen in Argentina in nineteen eighty six, ranked twenty second in a row. And Dom, we know that Africa can throw up a few surprises. This, for mine, is one of the other ones in Morocco making it to the World Cup finals.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've still got some class players in this in this squad, though. They've they've got some decent uh, options. Obviously, they'll be highlighted by the inclusion of fakimi The Paris Saint-Germain, right winger uh, slash right wing forward. He's, his pace alone is um, going to cause a lot of team uh, tr- lot of team trouble in this group. Then they've got, you know, some real decent quality up front too in uh, Hakim Ziyech, who unfortunately hasn't played enough football to really uh, be in the right patch of form, but we know how good he can be. There's obviously Sufyan Bouffal, he's had time in the Premier League and has moved over to the French League. Uh, to play his trade. They've got some quality in Yusuf N. Nasefri and Munir El Hadidi, who are both playing their trade in La Liga. So they've got some some decent players in the squad. And then they've got Ilias Chair, who's uh, playing for Queen's Park Rangers at the moment, and they're flying high in the championship at the moment. So uh, they're a reasonably decent squad with players playing at strong clubs across... Um, the the globe, uh, that was just a few to to mention, but there's more in this squad. And I think that they're one of the, the, the top nations uh, out of Africa this year who could definitely surprise a few.
1: Luke, the one thing that, that I see from this squad in particular is the high level of technique and skill. And as Dom mentioned, the likes of Zayich Bufal and, and Nez, Nezri is – Three very skillful players, especially up front, and really no weakness in terms of technique. I just wonder if they've got the starch to compete.
2: Well, it's going to be hit and miss. I think I mentioned in our last preview that an African nation always throws up a surprise in terms of them uh, not being highly highly touted and then coming in and, and putting a big shock in. Uh this Moroccan side at the back is, is quite formidable, to say the least. They've got very, very good attacking wing backs. Uh, their goalkeeper, Bono, uh, Sevilla, very, very good, surprisingly, as a lower tier or lower expected goalkeeper. Uh, so that's, that's a good start from that solid defense, which are going to be, need to be strong defensively. Uh, and then, like you said, they have very, very good technical ability going forward. Um, they're playing a good club's uh, Ziyech is probably their highlight, uh, and he's not getting good game time at Chelsea. But there's a possibility of him just turning it on uh, for the World Cup. We've spoken about Gareth Bale in our previous podcast as well. Uh, he just seems to be an international player right now. He performs out of his skin for Wales. And then hits the golf course. When it comes to club football, not so much now, but in these Real Madrid days, uh, and that could be Ziyech. Uh, when it comes to him stepping on the park in that first game, he brings out those five-star skills that we're
1: so used to him seeing in the past. One to keep an eye out for. Then Morocco. It'd be interesting to see how they go. We then move on to our last team in Group A, uh, Group F. Uh, this is how far we've gotten in this World Cup already, and we are talking about Croatia. Um, qualified as winners of Group H in UEFA, coached by Zlatko Dalic and captain by the ageless Luka Modric. It's their sixth finals appearance as Croatia, their third in a row, best performance runners-up in Russia 2018, currently ranked 12th in the world. And Dom, it's almost the same squad that Croatia took to the 2018 FIFA World Cup final. The only player really missing from that squad is Mario Mandzukic.
3: Yeah, he's not there. Rakitic isn't there either, which will uh, provide a, a different shape for uh, this side. At least I think he's not there, and my eyes deceive me, um, I'd be surprised if he was left out. He's still, you know, playing a, a relatively decent level. Um, I think yes, he might be
1: struggling with the odd injury at the moment as well. Yeah, possibly.
3: That's true. Uh, look, they've still got a strong squad here. Um, you, which you'd think would provide um, uh, themselves a, a platform to get out of the group, but they do lack a player up top um, at the moment. Andre Kamaric has never really kind of give, been given the opportunity as he's kind of been behind Mandukic for so long. Bruno Petkovic and uh, won't really do it. Ivan Perisic has kind of slotted into a fullback in recent times, so he's not really going to provide too many goals. This day, which then kind of puts all the pressure on the likes of Luka Modric and Mateo Kovacic to uh, produce the goals, or at least help them produce the goals. They've got a strong midfield three of Modric, Kovacic, and Brozovic there, but there, and they've also then the emergence of Mario Palasic at Atalanta will is a, is a great in for them as well. Defensively, probably not as as sad as they used to be. The you know an, an aging backline and. And they don't have a you would say a world class option between the sticks, but they'll still be decent enough to get out of this group. There's no doubt about that and uh, anything other than that would be deemed as a failure.
1: Is it the the ending of this win- particular window, Luke or are they got the position to be able to make that transition through to remain somewhat competitive?
2: Uh, I think it's going to be the ending unless we can see four or five players come out of nowhere uh, that aren't currently in the squad. Uh, and They all get very good at the same time. Uh, they can't really run now the The team. They've got a lot of mileage in the legs, even though it was just a few years ago that they did so well. Uh, that all play, have played at very high levels. They've put their bodies through an absolute workload. Um Not to say they're not going to be good at this World Cup. Uh, I'll I'll have them come in first in their group. Uh, But I think that's going to be kind of a a show of power from them, Um, possibly destroying Canada and Morocco uh, and then having their toughest test against Belgium, which I think they can win that as well and go three for three. And then it will just be a matchup in the the next stage where I think they'll probably either lose or they'll find a tough, tough battle of it to get through from there. Uh, and then go no further I, but like you said I think it, I think it's going to be the end of this kind of dominance of the Croatian national team um, unless they can get four or five
1: better players in well it has to be said that if we if we're calling Croatia to win group F then they go up against the runners-up of Group E who it could be either it could be Spain or Germany and you'd almost back them to win that wouldn't you? Um, Dom? Yeah, I guess so.
3: I don't know. I, it, it's, a, it's a really tough group. I mean, I'm liking, obviously, Croatia um, to to go through probably alongside um, Belgium and Group F, F. But, you know, there's a chance that Morocco and, and Canada could definitely throw a spanner in the works. But those would be my two to go through. But I think Morocco is going to give, uh, in particular, is going to give the other two a really, really good
1: run for their money. Are we calling this group the group of life? Remember that one from a a couple of World Cups ago? Is this the group of life?
2: It's not the death group uh, because everyone has a chance of getting out uh, in terms of being good. It's not not that group of death where everyone has a chance of missing out because of the quality of the teams. Um, Like I said... Croatia, I've got one. Morocco, I'm, I'm actually going to have them bottom, but they could easily win this group if they play up to the standards they, they've
1: they got. Uh, we love a group of life, don't we? Yep. Love we a Every group. World Cup. Absolutely. We now move on to Group G. We've got two before we go to our break, and then we're in the home stretch. We're going to start off with one of the favourites for the World Cup. It is Brazil. They won the round-robin stage from Comnebol, coached by Kitite, captained by Thiago Silva. It is their 22nd World Cup Finals appearance, the only nation to appear at every World Cup final, five times world champions. They have regained their position as the number one nation in the world. And, Luke, haven't they shaped themselves up for this World Cup? Uh, This could be another
2: one uh, in the making realistically on paper only the likes of france are going to have them uh match for match should i say uh in terms of quality they came out of that hard south american qualification phase and they did it not with ease but pretty much with ease uh they got two great goalkeepers they can interchange them however they want their back line looks solid, uh, defensive-minded, but also they can attack from the wings like every Brazilian team in history seems to be able to. They just find wing-backs that can overlap and never get tired. Uh, midfield, you're looking at it. It's got skill moves. It's got strength, uh, speed, Fabinho, Casemiro in there. And then the forward line uh, speaks for itself. Neymar is obviously going to be the star of the show. Surprisingly, Roberto Firmino missed out. I thought he had quite a renaissance period at Liverpool uh, so far this year, uh, and I'm excited to see Rafinha break into that team. Possibly, uh, not that he's been playing too well for Barcelona or getting much game time, uh, but he could also be one that could excite at this World Cup. Uh, and they definitely have definitely have the players in their
1: ranks to go first, second, or third. Dom, we were talking a few a few World Cups ago that Brazil were going into a team that was almost 100% centred around it, Neymar. For the first time in a long time, Brazil's now got a World Cup where they don't have to necessarily rely on Neymar to do everything. And all of a sudden, they look dangerous.
3: They're a strong squad, this Brazilian side, from back to front. Question marks over as to who they play in that kind of midfield centre. You'd obviously think Casemiro will will make an appearance. Fred and Fabinho will probably go in. And then up front, they've got endless choices. Richarlison, Neymar, Rafinha, Roberto Firmino, Gabriel, Jesus, Anthony's been named in the squad too. I think personally, if you're looking at squads, they've probably got the best squad on paper. But, and that's probably alongside the French as well. But they haven't won a World Cup in, since what, has it been 20 years now? It is 20 years, yes. 20 and years. I just don't know if they can do it with this team. It's really strong, but I have question marks over there midfield. I think Casemiro and Fabinho are a must, but then who fits in there as the kind of the number 10 for them? Does Neymar drop into that position and, you know, enforce to actually do some running? Who do they play up front? Do they go with Gabriel Jesus? If he, I don't even know if he got selected in the end. Or Roberto Firmino? Uh, up there. Rafinha, as you mentioned, Luke, was a lock, really, at right wing. Mm. He was playing for Leeds, and then he got picked for Barcelona, and he can't break past Dussema, De Usami De Dembele. So, and then there's the Felipe Coutinho conundrum, who obviously under Gerard when he first started at Aston Villa, was immense, but since the new season's kicked off, he's been a passenger. So there's plenty of questions to be asked, and then you got Lucas Paqueta, who's in amongst the mix, too. They've got so much talent here. There's no if they find one player is not performing they've got an incredible replacement but um i just don't know where um that it, the biggest challenge excuse me is going to be who do they throw on the park who's what's the best eleven?
1: That's going to be a real question to ask and in terms of getting that combination absolutely right. Let's go to our last team before we take a break, and we're going to go over to Serbia, who were one of the other surprises out of UEFA, Dom, winning Group A, coached by Dragan Stokovic, uh, captain by Dusan Tareč. Their third finals appearance, their second in a row, and this is of course from after splitting from Montenegro. They've they've not gotten out of the group stages yet. Ranked twenty-first in the world, and as I said, you know this is the you know the third time that they've been running since they split away from Montenegro. So a smaller player pool, but it has to be said, probably one of the best lineups that we've seen from Serbia in some time. This is all down to the coming of age of
3: Alexander Mitrovic, you've seen it at Fulham this year, a side that has really failed to stay in the Premier League and have any kind of consistency in the Premier League. They've stayed true to him. They've kept him in the squad. He's been good as well. He stayed with the club as well. And they're finally getting goals out of him and they're at the, you know, the mid-table of the Premier League in 2022. Same thing can be said about their World Cup progression. He scored vital goals at the at vital moments. That's what you need. And it's only taken him seven years to become that player. I mean, the bloke's still only like 28, which is absurd because he looks like he's about 47. But him scoring goals is a big in for them. They've obviously got some decent quality, obviously Dusan Tadic, Philip F- Kostic. Who's a very strong winger as well, you know. They, they, and then obviously in the in the middle they've got Sergei Milinkovic Savic, who's absolute quality too. Luka Jovic as well was touted to be one of the next best strikers. His move to Madrid hasn't worked, but there's no doubt doubting his talent. And then on top of that, you obviously have Dusan Vlahovic, whose emergence in Italy has been amazing too. Probably hasn't hit the standard that people thought he would at Juventus just yet, but there's clearly some quality that these guys have up front, uh, which is helping them uh, get over the line. and A lot of them actually playing in Italy.
1: Which is uh, surprising to say the very least. Luke, the really surprising thing that we could say from their, from their front three in particular, not something you would expect to say out of Serbia, but their goal rate is impressive.
2: Yep. Mitrovic, Dom said it, coming of age is where it needs to be. Uh, he's got a lot of games under his belt already uh, he's one of the leading players with the most caps in in their their squad um, which is surprising and he's got 50 goals already which I thought I was looking at something it was incorrect a typo or something on here but yeah that's a that's a phenomenal goal rate at international level up there with some of the best uh, and if he can start producing goals of this world Cup from the get-go, um, score those big goals and their defense be solid, and then I can see them doing really good and causing a lot of headaches. I love me some Sergey Milinkovic Savage, uh, he, he, he's going to be a monster in the midfield there, um, and he can pro- he can provide that service for those front three three options. Vlahovic could do what Kiesa did at the Euros, um, be good, and then become one of the best players in that tournament. Obviously, his work at Fiorentina was much better than what he's provided at Juventus, uh, but still very, very young. He's got the height, he's got the pace. Uh, A partnership with him and Mitrovic could be quite scary for oppositions to to stare
1: down when they're at at the first whistle. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it is the home stretch. It is the final six teams. For the 2022 FIFA World Cup, you are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H one hundred point one FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Triple and
0: wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM
1: your local
2: RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby Coringai area than the
0: Hornsby RSL whether you're planning a major event dinner with family or friends or having a quiet night at your local Hornsby RSL is the place to be rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events special entertainment and some of the best eateries in Sydney we have you covered for a great night out as always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street Hornsby or get in touch on 947777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL. Proud station sponsors of Triple H One Hundred Point One FM.
1: Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms, with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. hundred percent Australian owned and fully
2: customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball,
3: netball, and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look apart when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au.
0: Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby Koringai area, the Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, the Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10 pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience, and a selection of traditional and custom built arcade games, the Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street Hornsby. Call them on 947777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL. Station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports
1: podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony Caruso with Luke Scali and Dom Rosuto as we go through the second half of our preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Part three. Yes, we are finally down to the last six teams of the preview, and we are continuing on at the moment with Group G. We come to Team Number Three in Group G, Dom, and it is the Swiss who qualified as winners of Group C from UEFA, coached by Murat Yakin, captain by Gran Zaka. Their twelfth finals appearance, their fifth in a row. They've made the quarterfinals three times, but they haven't done it since they hosted the World Cup in nineteen fifty four. Currently ranked fifteenth in the world, and like a few other countries, possibly coming to the end of their window, and a reputation of being one of the toughest defenses to break down.
3: They've got a quality squad. The Swiss, we've seen that uh, at many levels. They've got. Plenty to choose from from a uh, goalkeeping standpoint. They've got plenty to choose from from a defensive standpoint. Some solid options in the midfield. Do lack some goals up front, has to be said. But I think they more than make up with for that, for their just sheer kind of quality that they have defensively and in the midfield. They'll be interesting side once again. Um, obviously had a really good Euros uh, with a with a famous uh, win over France in, in that uh, quarterfinal, round a 16-match quarterfinal. It'll just be, be interesting to see how they kind of line up, really, because they've got plenty of players to choose from. It's
1: just who they're going to choose. And, Luke, they, they managed to maintain their defensive streak even after the retirement of Stefan Lichtsteiner, probably one of the best centre-backs going around it during his heyday. Um, definitely very solid. They will be a problem to break down. And of course, we know their record at the World Cup as of late. Um, They've only lost a couple of games actually at World Cup finals level.
2: Uh, Definitely. That that back line is is looking very, very good. Uh, The back two is 100% Akanji in there. Uh, He's been a revelation for Manchester City. He was good at Dortmund, but has gone to another level since transitioning over to England. Uh, their wing backs are very good. Probably the most underrated goalkeeper in the world at the moment, in Jan Sommer. Um, a surprise package, Dennis Zacharia. Moving to Chelsea, uh, he, he hasn't really got any game time. He's in that same mold as some others we've, we've referenced before, like Ziyech, funny enough, at Chelsea as well, um, who could do something for them. Their goals are few and far between in terms of someone being that standout guy. Dom alluded to that already. Uh, and Bolo, just like Mitrovic, needs to be a coming of age and uh, start banging him in at the national stage.
1: Last we come to Cameroon, who qualified as third-round winners from um, the CAF, eighth finals appearance, their first, I can't believe I'm saying this, Luke, their first since Brazil 2014. Their best performance was making the quarterfinals in Italy 1990, currently ranked 43rd in the world. Uh, another surprise packet to make it through. They got through on away goals against Algeria. Thanks to Toko. it can be in the 120th plus fourth minute. Of course, Algeria headed up by Riyad Mahrez. Everyone expected to get through. And no, it's Cameroon. Uh, yep, definitely. Um, it was a it was a
2: shock to say the least, uh, they're going to need to pull off a few more shocks uh, to be good in this World Cup. They do have a few players playing at quite high levels. Uh, Andre Nana, probably the one that's most recognizable coming out of that Ajax Academy originally. Uh, you got some others in there that can do a job. Uh, one that's been very, very good since being acquired by Napoli. Uh, Zambo Angisa. He he, he's been very, very good, and he can be that anchor, uh, but he's not going to be the person who's going to be running into the box uh, scoring goals. And you're going to have to rely on someone like Eric Max and uh, Chupa Motang doing work, which he's been very good as well. Admittedly, uh, wherever he's gone, he's been meaned, should I say, in terms of why is he at this club after he left from Stoke but he's been at big clubs and he's been scoring goals and getting game time, so maybe he can pull a rabbit out of his uh, out of the hat um, and get them out of this group. But they're they're a team of the past, should I say? Doesn't look like they're very very good at the moment. They're riding on past
1: accomplishments. And Dom, the only other player to of note in this team, Vincent. Abu, Abu Bakr, who has played for a couple of very notable clubs throughout his time probably coming to at the end of his career now taking the money in Saudi Arabia um but you know once you get past the handful of half decent players there's not really much to talk about with this Cameroon squad no
3: no i think it's uh, pretty light on this year for for Cameroon as you mentioned them getting through was a bit of a surprise and i don't think they'll be
1: doing much this year, but I'm sure that they'll provide entertainment in some sort of way. Well, we know that they know how to entertain when they do score a goal. Uh, that's about all we can <laughs> hope for really in this regard. There. So from group G being Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon, I think there's no doubt that Brazil is going to win this group, but the battle will be on for second place between Serbia and Switzerland. Gentlemen, who are you picking? I'm going with Switzerland too strong. Uh, they've got players all over
2: that can do a job, and the defence looks like it's going to just stifle out the other two in Serbia and Cameroon.
3: I'm going with uh, Brazil and Serbia, actually, and I think Switzerland will miss out.
1: And you, you think Mitrovic is going to run right, do you? I do. Oh, here we go. I mean, you made that point earlier on in the show as well, Dom. You, you forget that he's he's still in his mid-20s. Like, that's how young he burst onto the the scene when he was first playing for Newcastle United all those years ago. It's ridiculous. We move on to Group H, the last group for our preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, and we start with Portugal, who qualified having won path C from UEFA for, for the second round Coach. By well, Sorry, I was going to say coached by Fernando Santos, but we may as well say they're coached and captained by Cristiano Ronaldo, let's face it. <laughs> 100%. So, you know, Santos is there pretty much collecting a paycheck at the moment. I'm surprised someone's not yelling out wages right now, really, as a result of that. Um, you know, of course, we remember the last World Cup, Dom, and basically it was the Cristiano Ronaldo show in terms of every game that Portugal played. Yeah, it's an interesting World
3: Cup dilemma that Portugal find themselves in because if you look at their squad, they've got an impeccable squad. They don't really need him. I mean, they need a Ronaldo who's going to be there for the team and not there for himself. And I don't know if they'll get that. You know, they've got the likes of... Diego Jota, ja, uh, Ruben Neves in there, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva to just name a few. Jao Felix, Jao Cancelo, Rupert Chicho at the back or whether it's Jose Saad that they go with Ruben Diaz in the center of defense. They've just got class all over and then obviously the, the emergence of Rafael Leal in the last couple of years. And then you add you know Ronaldo into that and they've got an amazing team, but Is it going to be the Ronaldo show again or are they going to actually play as a team and and win a World Cup? They're another one that uh, will be wanting to try and win one for Ronaldo um, this year. But I guess the question is, unlike Argentina that obviously love Messi and the players who love him want to win for him, are these Portuguese players going to have the same kind of sense of loyalty to Ronaldo?
1: I don't know. I I haven't really seen it from them bar that Euro win in 2016. Which is pretty much more of the same, really, in, in that regards. There, look the uh, the big chance of Portugal have got is that this is going to be the last World Cup for a whole host of players, and we're going to rattle them off right now here: Rui Patricio, Cristiano Ronaldo, Pepe, Jose Font, Cedric Sardas, and Juan Moutinho. Um, yeah, these guys are while world worldcast players. This is their last international tournament, and there is going to be a significant changing of the guard after this World Cup.
2: It is going to be a changing of the guard, but they do have the players already in development to just take over straight away. Yota, uh, Felix, Lião—that could be your front three for the next two World Cups. Maybe, possibly, running them as they're your, you know, your veterans in a third World Cup. Uh, Núñez, Bernardo, Silva, Fernandes—they're going to have a good, decent half decade still. Uh, you've got a back line that can do a job as well. Uh, Cancelo's an absolute monster. He can play left, he can play right, so you can fit other players in around him. Possibly when it comes to national games, you can play him up a higher position on the wing. Uh, but those those, those ones who just rattled off Anthony are going to have to go um, after this World Cup and it's whether or not they want to get these young guys up to their level and all players a team together to go further and deeper into this tournament. Or they're going to be like, this is our last World Cup. Um, we're going to be the leaders. We're going to be the coaches. And we're going to have everything play through us. And that's been the, the MO um, put on Ronaldo. And he's brought it upon himself for many years. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love me some Ronaldo. But he's not playing at Manchester United for a reason. Um, and that's not just because the coach wants to transition uh, to another another player or another style of tactic. Uh, it's just because he's just not providing for what the team needs, um, and that's going to be the, the the same issue that Portugal has. It's going to be Cristiano Ronaldo through the middle. Give me the ball, and um, that's just not going to
1: win games at this stage. We then move on to Ghana, who qualified as third round winners from CAF, coached by Otto Ado, captain by Andre Ayew, and look, This is a half decent Ghana lineup. Uh, they broke their run of outs. Uh, it's their fourth finals appearance, their first since Brazil 2014. Whenever they've turned up at the World Cup and actually made it, they've actually done quite well. And this is a very decent lineup from Ghana this time around. Very much so. They have a good quality across the park
2: uh, and playing in good clubs as well. Uh, the the move of Inaki Williams to be playing here now is um, is very good for the nation. Uh, Mohamed Kudus, he's been sensational for Ajax. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting something good out of him. He hasn't had a, a, a many, many games on the national stage just yet because he is still so young. Uh, but but he's he's got a wand in his boot. And him um, partnering in the middle with Thomas Partey, who can lock up those holes defensively and let Kudus to do his thing uh, in that attacking sense. Uh, give, me some, give me some great life and some great great thoughts about how this team can once again perform to a high level.
1: Dom, this is actually a dangerous team to come up against because on their day, they are the kind of squad that, that almost could beat anyone.
3: Yeah. I mean, they've got some quality, this uh, Cameroon side. Thomas Party in there, as, as mentioned previously, is obviously going to be the player that they rely on heavily. Um, you know, and they'll... Excuse me. I say Cameron, Ghana side. Apologies, and are going to you know pretty always kind of love a good cut run Ghana as well, and I can see them doing it again uh, in a in a relatively favourable group that they have here. Despite the fact it's it's another kind of group of death situation going on for them, but they've got a real good chance of of getting out of this group, and with the players that they have, this is the opportunity to take that.
1: I'm going to be fascinated to see this. This, is, of course, will likely be the last World Cup, of course, for Andre and Jordan Ayew, who have been stalwarts to this team for you know years on end. The other thing they've got here, Luke, is a couple of very good youngsters also, also coming through, especially in defence. The likes of um, the likes of Tarek Lamptey, Muhammad Asalasu, and Aladu Sidu coming through. They're going to be very handy over the next few years.
2: Yep, Lamped and Salasu with one game each on the national stage. Uh, that could be your new partnership or new defensive uh, outlets and people to build around for the long haul, um, which is good. You always want to be building up from the back as your first option, uh, which is just lays out that, that platform for the future of your national side. Obviously, it's a national side. You can't bring ten- your players in like you can at team level, Um, so they're going to have to really develop those guys and get them working well together to uh, continue on some strength uh, in the next qualifying campaign because right now I don't have them going further than the group stage, so think of it as a blooding World Cup and getting them ready
1: for that next one. We now move on to our second last team in our entire preview for the FIFA World Cup, and it is Uruguay who qualified in third place from the Commonwealth Round Robin, coached by Diego Alonso, captain by Diego Gordon, their 14th appearance, fourth in a row, best performance uh, dual world champions in 1930 in Uruguay and Brazil, 1950 currently ranked 14th in the world. And we've said it before with a couple of other teams. This is another one, Luke, that's going to be going through a changing of the guard And some big names involved with that, the likes of Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani, Diego Gordon, Marta Caceres, and Fernando Muslera.
2: Yep, another one where they've got huge experience in that starting team, and then a sprinkle through the rest. Uh, But they're going to have a very good squad, despite those players rounding out their careers after, or their national careers at least, after this World Cup. Uh, Darwin Nunez is going to be the new Suarez. Uh, You're going to have... Ronald Arahu being a beast at the back to replace Godin. Uh, and then your midfield's actually quite good already. They've got some youth, but also from very high experience. Bentancourt and Valverde, you know, they're both over that around that 50-game mark, uh, and they're still relatively very young. Uh, so they could be that anchor point in the middle. Uh, it's going to be sad to see the loss of those guys who are on the older side, but uh, they can still do a job, uh, which I think they
1: will in this World Cup. I mean, th- th- this is probably the most experienced line we've seen from Uruguay in some time. Um, yeah, can they make a decent fist and make a big run for the f- into the um, knockout phase? They've definitely got the cattle to do so. Um,
3: I think that uh, they've got some age up front, obviously, Luis Farris and Edison Gavani, whether they'll go with them as with the experience or if they'll give Darwin Nunes his shot. Uh, A lot of it will, I think, and a lot of the limelight will be on Federico Valverde. His emergence at uh, Real Madrid this season has been uh, sensational. So I'll be very, very interested to see how he goes as really the star man in that team. A lot of it will be built around him. If he can have a great World Cup, then this team has got heaps of potential to go deep in the tournament. But as mentioned, there are another team in that sort of last window of opportunity to have a a good crack at a a trophy come this uh, um, December time when the tournament kicks off.
1: We then go to our last team in our entire preview for the 2022 FIFA World Cup, and it is South Korea who qualified from the AFC third round group, a runners-up coached by Paulo Bento captain, by Song Hyun Min. It's their 11th finals appearance, their 10th in a row, and their best performance of fourth place. That's Japan, South Korea in 2002. Current ranking of 28th. And, Dom, this has probably been the most consistent team coming out of Asia. And I think, again, similar to a couple of other teams, plenty of speed and a genuine dark horse to ma- cause some trouble, especially in the in the knockout stages.
3: Yeah, very true. Um, But look, again, a lot of it will venture around uh, song Hyo Min and whether or not he's going to be fit in time with that fractured eye socket that he sustained just a week or so ago. Uh, Other than that, without him, they don't really have much quality um, in the squad that is, you would say, world-class. And I don't again, see them as a thanks to coming uh, nomination or nominee, I should say, uh, potentially come the uh, four matches into the uh, tournament.
1: Wow. Luke, have you have you got something more positive to spin on this team or are you equally seeing that without Son Hyung min this team falls apart? Uh,
2: without Son, it's going
1: to be a massive loss. Uh, they're probably going to be...
2: Much weaker overall, despite it being just one player out. He's just that important to their squad. A little bit more high on them high on than Dom seems to be. Um, maybe that's because I'm watching too much of them in the Asian qualifying and they're just trouncing Australia a lot of the time. So I think they're 10 times better than everyone in the entire world. Um, but that's just me, me justifying why the Socceroos can't win. Uh, they only really got three players that are going to be high level. One's obviously Son. He's under an injury cloud. Uh, Wang Hee Chan at Wolverhampton hasn't really been doing much, but can do a job. Um, And this Napoli fullback, who's just come out of nowhere as a kind of mid-tier to upper mid-tier defensive uh, quality player. But outside of that, I'm kind of on the side of Dom as well. I don't see them doing too much. They're just above that standard of come in and go home, um, but not very good on my end either.
1: Well, with that, that is the end of, of Group H, and by the sounds of it, it's going to be Portugal and Uruguay, but the question is, in what order? First to you, Dom. Sorry, i ask that question again, Chris. I just cut out. Okay, repeating that one again. We come now to the end of Group H and I think there's little doubt that it looks like it will be Portugal and Uruguay who makes it out of the group. The question is, and we'll come to you first, Dom, in what order? Well, uh, I think uh, Portugal will be top of the group and Uruguay will come in second.
2: Luke? Uh, I have it going exactly the same way. Portugal, Uruguay. Uruguay could upset and take first, uh, but that Portuguese team is looking... Very, very solid, and that Ronaldo factor could be their downfall for second, or it could be something propels them up into first. So Portugal and Uruguay, the same
1: as Dom. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end just about of our preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Before we wrap things up here, the last thoughts that we're going to have in terms of this World Cup, we're going to ask our our panel seer a winner, a finalist, a golden boot, a player of the tournament, and one outlandish call you are going to make. So first off, we're going to go, who do you think wins the World Cup and who makes the final in the in, in this competition? First to you, Dom. I think – so who do I think is going to
3: win? I think um, – oh, who's going to win? That's really tough. Oh, that's so tough. Who's gonna to win? I th- I'm gonna go safe. And I'm gonna say France is going to win and they're gonna go back to back. Um France, no actually, no, no, they're not gonna win. I'm taking that straight out. Here I don't think go. they're gonna win at all. I'm sorry. Oh hang on. are we asking are we asking here just quickly, who is the who we think the winner is, or are we going for like an outlandish pick? No, no, winner of the winner of the World Cup. Winner of the World Cup. Okay. Well, look, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to go with France, um, who I think just had the best squad on paper uh, to win the and, World Cup. And who do they beat in the final? And I think they beat Brazil in the final. I think we have a 1998 rematch. Luke?
2: I have Brazil as my pick. I would love for Argentina to win, but... Argentina got that over Brazil in the Copa America. Uh, I don't think Brazil are going to let that go again. Um, I don't see France getting to the final this time. Uh, I believe the brackets match up to have Brazil and Argentina just kick each other in that final um, and Brazil to come out with the win.
1: And I'm actually going to be going with uh, Luke on this, given that, that structure. I think it will be. Brazil over Argentina in the um, in the final there. The next one we're gonna have is your golden it's gonna be your golden boot and your player of the tournament. Luke to you first.
2: Whew, you put me in a hard one here. Oh,
1: I know. We this always is, ask the hard questions this here. This is
2: the one where it could be anything because you would assume that the best player would be from the team that wins it,
1: right? Yep. So if you're going to say that, let's stick. Let's stick with that. Let's stick well,
2: with let's, that. Let's let's stick with with that. Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking something not different, uh, but it seems like Neymar occupies the role of uh, LeBron James when it comes to uh, a tournament. The team wins. It's him. Everything's about him, um, and I think that's going to be his crowning. Crowning moment, he's going to get the World Cup trophy, uh, and he's going to take out Player of the Tournament,
1: Golden Boot, uh,
2: Golden Boot. It's too too hard to pick, uh, so I'm just going to have to go with tried and true, Lionel Messi.
1: Messi Golden Boot gone. If you if you, so, you're calling France to win it. So who wins it from France for the best player, and then your Golden Boot. I mean, does the best player have to be from the team that wins the tournament? That's no, what that's
2: I what I was alluding to. Yeah, It couldn't necessarily be, but, you know, it's usually pretty from, cool. uh, I think yeah, Benzema you know, will
3: be okay. the player of the tournament or Met- Messi will be the player of the tournament. Yeah. Um, because why not Benzema is just in a rich vein, of for- rich vein of form and also the kind of feel-good factor for Messi being the best player in the tournament? They might get a bit political with it. Yeah. Um, or can't, same could be said for Ronaldo too. Uh, goal scorer, highest goal scorer this year. I'm actually going to go with a little bit of a cue ball here, and I go with Harry Kane. Harry Kane
0: oh. for the oh. Golden Boot.
1: I am. I'm going to. I'm going to go with you, Dom. I think Benzema for the best player, and I'm going to go even. further. Further, I'm going to call Mitrovic for the golden Ooh, wow. boot. Wow, interesting. Mitrovic for the go I- I'm backing him.
2: That's a good spot. He could potentially pick up a hat trick in the group phase, and he's going to yeah. be in a good stead to get the the top the top gong there.
1: Absolutely, and we're going to finish off with an outlandish call. I love doing these. Who? What is your big outlandish call of something absolutely random happening in this World Cup? Dom to you first. Argentina and Portugal are going to play each
3: other and Messi and Ronaldo are going to knock each other out of the World Cup uh, for their final World Cup. But my outlandish call is that they both get sent off in some way or some form in that match. Yes, I like that. That's a very good pick. I mean, that's pretty outlandish. I love it. Yeah, I love that. uh, And then then for for the, the usual World Cup joke, my outlandish pick is England is going to win it.
0: <laughs> it's
1: coming home. It's coming, it's coming home again. <laughs> Luke, your one. Mine is
2: my frisky pick, Denmark to the final. Denmark makes the final. Yep. If that Brazil-Argentina isn't there, Denmark to the final.
1: Wow. I like that. I really do like that.
2: Three from um, three from the group and then just winning out from there. And possibly taking the trophy.
1: Oh, I am gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit of fun of fun here. Well actually no, I'm gonna I'm gonna call here my outlandish call is France does not make it out of the group. Ooh yes There it is. I think that the trend continues. Whoever wins the World Cup fails to get out of the group. And knowing us time- three,
2: it's gonna be more likely that what we actually put all our knowledge into analysing is way out and the things we just said on a whim like that is true. <laughs>
1: I mean, I love that that one of Argentina, Portugal play against each other, and then you see Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi <laughs> get sent off. <laughs> Dom, does it happen at the same at the same moment?
3: Yeah, of course. I reckon they like uh they, they have an argument with one another. Yeah. And it's like, like there's a full-on, like a bit of fisty cuffs. One's on the floor holding his head; the other one's on the floor holding his head. There's absolute rubbish, and a ref has no choice but to send them both off.
1: Okay. Oh, that's too good. That is too good. Um, all right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here. I can't believe we finally made it. That is the end of our preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. We can't wait for this tournament to start. It only comes around every four years. The biggest team sports event in the world, and you just know everything stops when this comes around. First off, my special thanks to Luke Scully for joining us here, and we will likely have you when we do our wrap-up early next year. Oh, thank you for having me, Anthony. Thank you, Dom, as well, and thank you, everyone,
2: uh, listening along. it uh, been a pleasure to be back in, in the booth, uh, giving my analysis on the World Cup. I can't wait for those sleepless nights uh, here in Australia. Um, which I'm sure everyone will be doing, and I'm not going to
1: complain one bit. Dom, a pleasure. And given other events that have been happening here as well, this may be your last edition of Splinters for the year. Thank you for your contributions throughout the year. Oh, thank you, uh, Caruso.
3: Thank you, uh, Luke, for helping us out. Keen for the World Cup too. Can't wait to, uh, you know,
1: once again, ruin my uh, sleep pattern uh, <laughs> once again. And not, we should mention as well, Dom, that you'll be, of course, you will be back early next year, because not only will you join us for the wrap, but we've then got some tennis to preview, and then we've got MPL New South Wales to preview as well. Can't wait, mate! Football all year round—you can't complain. Oh, no, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, au, and wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto and Luke Scarly, I'm Anthony So Run hard or run home.
0: Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.hhfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.